Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Hey, thank goodness Bo Levi Mitchell went to Hamilton. Thank goodness. Man, what a performance. I'm not saying it's a good thing he got hurt. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, he has not looked like himself. So the signing of Trevor Harris looking even better by the day because, well, if you haven't heard, Trevor Harris is fresh off of throwing for over 400 yards on Friday. 405 yards. And I don't know about you, Ryder Nation, but uh, feeling pretty good. Feel pretty good today. I wouldn't say it quite feels like a victory Monday. Okay, that's not what I'm saying, but uh, you know, it's not all doom and gloom in my world, at least. Uh, it's uh, looking up. It was a nice performance, I thought, against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Friday night. Of course, it was a 45 to 27 final in favor of Winnipeg. So when you look at it that way, it doesn't look very good. But uh, the Riders, they were leading on a couple occasions throughout the ball game and it just kind of got away from them but uh, we're going to talk all about that game the upcoming game and so much more on today's edition of the sports cage and uh, wherever you're listening you can uh, text us up call us up the number 306-936-6262 and don't forget today is an off day for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders but it's not an off day here inside the sports cage because we have the Craig Dickinson show live on the air coming up here at 5.05 p.m. and it's literally the only place that you can come to to ask the head coach of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders questions and I'm not just saying that because you know I'm on the 620 CKRM airwaves it's quite honestly the truth. So pick up the phone. Unless you're driving, don't do that. Don't be bad. But uh, text us up questions for the coach at 505-306-936-6262. And uh, I'm sure your coach is feeling pretty good today. You know, it was a nice effort from his guys on Friday, fresh off of Father's Day yesterday. Things looking good in Ryderville. You like how optimistic I am today, Blaine Wyland? You like this vibe? You got... The positive Monday vibe going today. That's what I'm talking about. It doesn't man. feel like a Monday, eh? Hey, the Riders <laughs> could be in the Hamilton Tiger Cats situation right now. Now, that would be doom and gloom because I don't know what I was watching yesterday. All I know is that team did not look good. Bo Levi just lobbing them up in the end zone, picked off. Like, I don't know where he's throwing the ball. Unfortunately, he did get injured. Now, that's... You know, I, I don't wish people to get injured. That that part, you know, let's, let's be honest. It's better for the league when Bo Levi Mitchell is playing and playing well. Unfortunately, you know, he was taken out of the game. And Ticat head coach Orlando Steinauer uh, basically said after the game that mm, it's just lower body, just lower body. That's all they were going to say at the time. So uh, that's all we know. And we don't have an update on Bo Levi Mitchell. We do have an update 
with your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Some birdies telling us that quite possibly, now this is something we'll ask the coach about at 5 o'clock, but uh, Gerald Hawkins, left tackle, and uh, as well, Colin Kelly. Some reinforcements along the offensive line could very well be in the lineup coming up here on Saturday in Calgary. And uh, hey, uh, anytime you can get some reinforcements when it comes to the when it comes to the beef playing Wyland, I think we're here for that. Yeah, especially since Hawkins was the original plan at left tackle. It seemed like it seemed like early on at training camp that he was going to take the starting job. He didn't play any preseason games, so I'm kind of curious how. Um, how quick of a turnaround Hawkins will have to be in practice. I'm, I don't know if he'd be able to play on Saturday already. Yeah. Just come coming back in since he hasn't played any preseason games or any of the earlier regular season games. So it might be a stretch, but uh, we'll have to wait and see what the exact status status is on the left tackle. Yeah, that's that's a good point because I mean, no preseason snaps, and then you're just going to kind of throw him in the fire. I will see how the week of practice unfolds, but I mentioned it off the top. Trevor Harris had a great game. He was twenty. 29 for four, out of 41, 405 yards, three touchdowns, and uh, as well, he made some plays with his feet, which were uh, which was pretty cool. Uh, three carries, I believe, for over 20 yards in the game, and uh, unfortunately for the Rough Riders, you know the injuries keep on piling up a bit. I know Frankie Hickson uh, went out of the game, Corte Moore went out of the game. Now I'm forgetting a bunch, but. Uh, there were a quite a quite a few injuries in the game on Friday, which is unfortunate. But uh, what can you do? It's the game of football. How about Tevin Jones, wide receiver for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, filling in for the injured Darrell Walker? Tevin Jones, man, making some plays. I'm talking nine catches, 121 yards. Uh, he was a bright spot for the green and white. Sean Bain Jr. as well. I keep visualizing that one hole shot Trevor Harris uh, through to Sean Bain Jr. Going right to left. You know, those are just throws that some of our quarterbacks in prior years wouldn't have made. You know what I mean? I'm thinking of that one and that kind of uh, post-corner route to Sam Emless along the far sidelines going right to left as well. Just drops it right on the money right before he goes out of bounds. I mean, Trevor Harris, I mean, if there's one thing I take out of this football game on Friday, it's that we have a chance to win with this guy. I mean, especially when you were watching the game yesterday, that bowl by Mitchell. <laughs> I mean, Trevor Harris, he's looking good, man. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you that uh, you know, watching that Hamilton game yesterday definitely was thinking, you know, the Riders maybe have dodged the boulder Possibly, it's only two weeks so far, but you got to be happy with uh, how Trevor Harris looked, especially in week two. Uh, in that matchup on Friday, you got a situation: where Tevin Jones and Sean Bain Jr. over 100 yards receiving. Samuel Emelis with three touchdowns. So, uh, despite you know like some top targets being out of the lineup, you look like Linus, Schaefer, Baker, and Walker all out of the lineup. Uh, Trevor Harris still rolling on. Yeah, and we've come this far a few minutes into the show, and we haven't even mentioned the name of Chad Kelly yet. I mean, that was some kind of game he had yesterday. Chad Kelly had three rushing touchdowns. That one bomb going mm-hmm. left to right. Uh, I can't remember who caught it. I was in the kitchen at the time when I was watching it. <laughs> yeah. But he was making some he was making some throws, and that's let's be honest, that's good for the league if this Chad Kelly could keep it up and you know take the Argos back to you know. The promised land versus the Rough Riders in the Great Cup. I mean, that, that's good for the league when the Toronto Argonauts are winning. And that looked like a pretty good crowd as well. I think the paid attendance was over $15,000 or $15,000, 15000 in attendance. So uh, it kind of looked more than that. But 
it's kind of deceiving because on the one side of the field, the far side of the field, just like the lower bowl, there was people, and then the whole upper deck, there was no people in attendance there. But uh, overall, I mean, uh, it was a good showing for the Toronto Argonauts. But uh, staying home here in Ryderville, it was a 45-27 to final score in favor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Friday night. Let's go back with our Ryder Rewind as we do every single Monday after a game day. Here's Michael Ball, the voice of the Riders, on the call. Claris will hand it off, and he got caught. C.J. Rebus on the blitz, drops him for a big-time loss. The snap, the hold, the kick is on the way from Castillo, and he's good from the 43. Harris going up top on the right side. Jones made the one-handed juggling catch down to the five. Kevin Jones. They're going to fake the handoff. Harris throws to the end zone. It's caught. Touchdown, Saskatchewan, Sam Emelis. Oliveira, the running back to Kolaris' right. He's looking right. He's going to throw low, and it's caught for the touchdown. Dalton Schoen makes a great catch to scoop it before it hits the turf. The numbers are across the 30, 35, outside the 40, 45, 50, and Mario Alford can flip a field. Here's Harris stepping up in the pocket. Harris gets away from the rush. He's going to take off. Harris to the bomber, 50, and hook slides down. And a flag comes down at the end. What a play by Houdini or Trevor Harris. Claros takes the snap, looking left, under pressure. He's going to take off, and he will get to the end zone. Zach Calaros outlegs Nelson Lacombo off the left yeah. side. Harris drops the throw, throws down the middle, and that's caught in a small window. And Bain Jr. makes up for it, taking it in between Ooh. coverage to the 38. Here's Harris taking the snap, looking right. He's going to throw the corner route. That one is caught over there on the far side of the field. Sam Emelis takes a shotgun snap. Fakes a handoff tomorrow. Stands tall in the pocket. Now flushed out to the left. Thrown to the end zone. That's caught. Touchdown. Saskatchewan. A diving grab by Sam Emelis. Harris, his status was uncertain coming into this game. He's played well. He's going up top down the right side. That one is caught. Sean Bain Jr. And he's got it at the 30 of the Bombers on the far side. Takes the shotgun snap, looks quickly underneath, it's caught! Touchdown! It's a hat trick for Sam Emelis! That's three! And the Rough Riders extend the lead! Pumps his left leg, keeps the ball, he'll grind past his center and past the goal line for a touchdown. Korzak near sideline, one hop bounce to Grant. Makes the first man miss, the second man miss, the third man miss, running to his left, and Jorgen Hughes can't tackle him. Nobody can. He's up the left sideline. 50, midfield, rider 50, rider 40, and he's going to cut to the middle, and he's going to score. Oh, my goodness. There is a flag. There is a flag. The ruling is overturned. The result of the play, touchdown. To left, puts his right foot into the football and sends it into the northeast end zone goalpost and through. And the Rough Riders have closed the gap 31 24. There's a touchdown signal, but there is a flag. There is a flag. Saskatchewan. Was that penalty's declined. 
Touchdown. Harris is going to throw on second and one down the far left sideline. Jones has it. He got twisted around but made the catch in behind Demario Houston at the 34. First down, Rough Riders. Here's the kick by Lothar from 18 yards away and his second field goal of the game is good. Takes the shotgun snap, hands it to Augustino, fakes the handoff, rolls out to his right. Looking to the end zone, Kalaros throws. That's caught for the touchdown. Wolertarski just inside the far pylon. They swing it out left side for Sean Bain Jr. He's been good today up the left sideline. 40, 45, 50. He's off to the races. And Sean Bain Jr. is pushed out deep in a bomber territory. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers 45, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 27. Yeah, Sean Bain Jr. had himself a game, and he will be going up against his former team coming up here on Saturday at McMahon Stadium as the Riders travel uh, to take on the Calgary Stampeders. That's the way it sounded. Michael Ball on the call there alongside Luke Mullinder, 45-27, the final score in favor of the Bombers. And uh, we have a loaded show today, by the way. We have a lot going on. Uh, We are going to hear from the Wenatchee Wild general manager if you're thinking to yourself Wenatchee Wild what is that well that is the team that bought the Winnipeg Ice and basically they bought the team and they're bumping up their BCHL team which were called the Wenatchee Wild and they're basically promoting them up to the WHL and uh, so it's a smooth transition there so we're going to talk all about that with Bliss Littler the general manager of the Wenatchee Wild coming up at 3.35 today and the Toronto Blue Jays they're starting up a three game series down in South Beach tonight versus those Miami Marlins now this is a very exciting series because you know historically the Jays don't play down in Miami very often and so anytime this happens, it's uh, very exciting. And we will have the radio voice of the Miami Marlins join us. It's going to be a, a very exciting conversation. Cannot wait uh, to talk to Kyle. Kyle, uh, his last name's escaping me off the top of my head now. It's uh, one moment, one moment here. One, Kyle Seelaff. There we go. Kyle Seelaff. I knew it was C, and I, it's Kyle Seelaff. So he's going to be joining us on the sports cage right at uh, 4.05. Can't wait for that conversation. The Silver Fox, Kelly Rempel at 4.35 p.m. And the Craig Dickinson Show. Reminder, send in the text 306-936-6262. And then to wrap the show, linebacker for the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, Micah Alway will be joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So a lot to come here. Just getting rolling here on Monday's edition of the Sports Cage. Coming up next on the other side of the break, though, we will hear from Larry Dean, who was the defensive game star from Friday night. He had 10 defensive tackles for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You are listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Back inside the Sports Cage, Sean Klasinger here. Across the board for me, my buddy Blaine Weiland filling in for Michael Ball, the voice of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, yeah. I don't want to say we're licking our wounds because I don't think we're licking our wounds, are we? I don't think so. It was it was a good effort by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. A lot of good individual performances on Friday night, and just as a team as a whole. I mean, uh, I think the fans have something to be proud of here. I think uh, we're we are building towards something here in 2023. I feel it in my bones. And Larry Dean, he just keeps on 
stacking years, man. I mean, how old is he now? 35, turning 36 years old. Uh, Larry Dean, he was a monster on Friday night making tackles left, right, and center. He ended the game with 10 defensive tackles, and he was named our defensive game star. Here's Michael Ball with Larry Dean postgame. What's the overall thought uh, after this tough loss, which I think was a lot closer than the score would indicate? Uh, back to the drum board. We're going to, you know, look at the film, go through it with a fine two comb and continue to get better. What did you see, though, from just without looking at the film? What was the sense? Because you guys, uh, I didn't think you were uh, 45 points bad on defense, to be honest with you. Well, of course, there was the long touchdown on the punt return, so that doesn't go against the defense. But just your thoughts. We had them for a while, you know, but it's a 12-round fight. And we have to play, play 12 rounds. We have to fight 12 rounds. And, and after this game, you know, uh, playing a team like Winnipeg and, and coming up just short again, um, it, it felt like you guys were right there on a number of occasions. Did it kind of feel like that on the sidelines too, where you were knocking at the door? You just needed to take that next step. Uh, absolutely correct. And, you know, that's the testament of a team and a good team. You know, they're a good team and my hat's off to them. You know, they got the job done and we, didn't, we weren't able to uh, kick the door in. What did you think of your, uh, you know, the face of the franchise, Trevor Harris, and how he uh, gritted it out after having a week with no practice and, and playing as well as he did? I think that's a testament to his character and uh, definitely someone that you want at leading as your face. Speaking of character, you've got character. It looks like you're not missing a beat again this year. Uh, how you feeling there in your regular spot, the middle of that defense, Larry? Whatever the defense calling me to do, uh, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Um, this year is playing Mike, so obviously I'm familiar with it, and uh, I feel at home. I feel good playing it, but uh, at the same time, it's things that I have to get better at. As a whole defense, we have to get better and, you know, just continue to grow. Champions, there's, there's some young guys on this team. You're one and one now. Um, how do you... How do you get the, the young, you yourself mentioned it, right? We said it, but you yourself mentioned it. Hey, you were on the doorstep and just couldn't kick the door down. How do you help the young guys just sort of make that transition to on the doorstep to kicking it through? <clears throat> if I had the blueprint, we would have done it already because I share everything <laughs> that I know with them. But uh, we're going to continue to grow together and mature together and, and go through the growing pains. And, you know, they're going to have to have an accelerating read it learning program because uh, they're in the fire. They're playing. Our young guys are playing. And, they're you know, they're out there. So, you know, they got their first dose of what it's like, this, this rivalry, this Winnipeg versus the Riders. Like, they got a dose of it, and now they know what to expect. Larry, you guys haven't won here since last July, which is hard to believe. Um, but it doesn't feel like the, you know you lost, but it, to me it doesn't feel like the, the same old riders. I, I know I started by asking what's the feeling, what's the mood like, what was said after the game amongst you guys, which, what you can tell us, like what, what's the overall feeling? Uh, from what I could tell you, well, we have to be better. You know, that's it. When opportunity presents itself, we have to capitalize and uh, mature as a group and, 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 you know, take those strides and, and continue to get better and grow. Well, can't wait to see you grow in Calgary next week as you try to get back in the wind column. Thanks for your time, Larry. All right, no problem. Thank you. I have a great night. Yeah, that's Champ Juice, Larry Dean. And I just want to send out a public apology here. I gypped Larry Dean a year. I said he was 35 turning 36. You know, you can't be doing that to football players when they're in their mid-30s, you know? Like, 
Do you hear that? That's me slapping my wrist, man. He's 34 turning 35 uh, coming up here in uh, August, I believe. So sorry about that, Larry Dean. Champ Juice. Great game he had, though, on Friday night. Larry Dean, he's a big piece in that Rough Riders defense. We are going to head to break on the other side. Our coach of the week. And our coach of the week is a coach with the Regina Riot, who played yesterday versus the Saskatoon Valkyries, uh, falling 19-9 to in the semifinal game. Thomas Retzlaff coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Each week, the Sports Cage highlights a coach making a difference both on and off the playing surface. This is the Coach of the Week. Well, the Regina Riot battled hard in yesterday's semifinal game versus the Saskatoon Valkyries, but uh, came up on the wrong end of a 19-9 final score. Still, what a season for our Regina Riot, doing our city proud. And that's why we have the offensive coordinator of the Regina Riot, Thomas Retzlaff, on the Western Pizza Hotline as uh, our Coach of the Week this week. And Retzi also, of course, works with the University of Regina Rams as the team's manager, football operations. Uh, Retzi, thanks for coming on today. Uh, take us through the game yesterday versus the Valkyries. Uh, yeah, thanks for, for having me on and uh, highlighting, highlighting the Regina Riot uh, this year. Um, yeah, hard fought game yesterday. Um, kind of started off slow. Like, uh, a lot of our games, I felt like we, we struggled coming out of the gate, but, um, we kind of, I kind of challenged, uh, specifically the offense, uh, at halftime to kind of rewrite the script, uh, with the, the, the final 30 minutes and, and they responded, uh, and came out firing in the, in the third and fourth quarters and, made a game of it and we had some some chances and opportunities to to and like I said rewrite the script but we just we just kind of came up short and ran out of time. Yeah, so overall for the season, uh it was a good kind of bounce back year from from 2022. Uh we improved in in a lot of areas and a lot of young players kind of stepping up and taking out over some uh some big big roles. Looking forward to seeing what this team can do uh, to build off of. So, how are you uh, enjoying being a coach? Is this something you've always kind of inspired to do? How How are you enjoying the coach life? I wouldn't say it's something I aspired to do. Obviously, uh, like a lot of uh, football players, I, I had hoped my playing career went a little longer than it did. But uh, coming out of high school, uh, tried out for the uh, Regina Thunder and and got cut. Uh, as a lot of kids do, uh, not everyone makes it to the next level. And, and coaching was just a way to stay involved. Um, I didn't want to kind of say uh, goodbye to football at, at that time. So, you know, started coaching peewee football. Uh, one of my younger brothers, again, just as a way to stay involved. And it just kind of more and more opportunities just kind of built off of themselves into uh, kind of high school level, and then uh, then again with the Regina Riot, and yeah, it's always been uh, the last little while. It's just been a way to to kind of give back and and share my my knowledge and experiences with uh, kind of young and up and coming players. Your coaching doesn't stop here. You mentioned the under 18s coming up. Maybe just give our listeners some details on that. Yeah. So uh, last year. Uh, Football Saskatchewan and Football Canada introduced a women's U18 uh, tournament. Uh, so Saskatchewan and Regina, we actually hosted the first ever women's U18 national championship 
uh, at Mosaic Stadium last year. We had uh, five provinces involved, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, and New Brunswick. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, coach Claire Dorr uh, was our inaugural head coach, and I had the privilege of working under her for, for that. And I coached with her with the Regina Riot as well. And so this year is the second year, and we've kind of expanded the field. Uh, Quebec is in. Um, Ontario is fielding a, a second team, and there's uh, in the works of a national Indigenous team that's going to fill it out uh, for an eight-team tournament, which is going to be awesome because that's uh, kind of what the, the men's U18 is, is eight teams. It makes for a fun week. And so we're in Ottawa this year to kind of turn silver into gold. And Thanks for taking the time, and uh, congratulations on your great season you had with the Regina Riot, and we're looking forward to seeing the under-18s in action. And uh, we'll see you at the Rams games here coming up here in 2023. Looking forward to it, my friend. Sounds good. Thank you very much. It's time to step into the Radio Octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Sean Kleisinger in for Michael Ball today inside the Sports Cage. And a reminder coming up right at 5.05 p.m. today, the Craig Dickinson Show will be live on the air. Text in your questions at 306-936-6262. It's the only place that you have that you're able to talk with the coach. Ask the coach your own questions. So make sure to text up that number, 306-936-6262. But right now we're going to talk some hockey. He has a career which spans 26 seasons behind the bench, and now he is the GM of a WHL franchise. Wenatchee Wild general manager Bliss Littler joins us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Bliss, first off, man, I just want to send a big congratulations out to owner David White, yourself, and really the whole organization on behalf of us here, the radio home of the Regina Pat 620 CKRM. Thank you. Um, yeah, we're, we're all excited. This thing came together uh, real quick. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're awful excited right now, and um, there's, there's a lot of work to do between now and when the players get here, that's for sure. Yeah, so the Wenatchee Wild have been playing in the BCHL since 2015, now making the bump up to the WHL. So with the purchase of the Winnipeg Ice, I'm assuming the Wild will claim all of Winnipeg's players for the 2023-24 season? Yes, we uh, we acquired their playing list, and um, you know, I've spoken to uh, the returners, and it, it, it appears that uh, they're awful excited to, to get going. Yeah, so as far as the players that were on your BCHL team this past season, will there be any of uh, those players that you keep on the WHL team? What's the path going forward for your roster from this past season? Uh, right now, the, the, the plan there is the BCHL made them all free agents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all free agents in the United States right now with uh, the BCHL moving to an independent league so the players became free agents where they can go wherever they want but um yes there there are definitely some players that that would be able to play um but those kids have 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 made the decision to uh they're they're chasing the college path so i don't see any of them any of them uh flipping right now um so right now myself and coaching staff we're we're trying to make sure that every kid has a, a good home to go to, whether it be in the BCHL, the 
the United States Hockey League, the North American Hockey League, that we need to, to find those kids uh, soft landing spots and let them develop for another year before they move on to college. Yeah, no, that's good to hear. General Manager of the WHL's Wenatchee Wild, Bliss Littler on the Western Pizza Hotline. And uh, we have listeners from all across the province. So fans of Prince Albert Raiders are listening, Saskatoon Blades, Swift Current Broncos, Moose Jaw Warriors, and of course right here in Regina with the Pats. What can you tell us about Wenatchee, Washington? Well, I think when people... uh when they t- when if they ever take a look and see where it's located, mm-hmm. you say, oh, "Wow, that makes a lot of sense." Um, that we're under two and a half hours to Spokane, under two and a half hours to Tri City, under two and a half hours to Seattle, less than two and a half to Everett, about four hours to Portland. So we're we're right in the middle yeah. of those those teams and we're a little more than four hours to Kelowna, six hours to uh, Kamloops, a little more than four hours to Vancouver. So all of a sudden that travel becomes pretty good. Um, I have the schedule's not done yet, but I think Tuesday night we'll, we'll work on it quite a bit. And I would think in the future, our travel nights will, will go way down. We, we were, in the BCHL, we were in the 40 range, and I'm guessing that might drop in half uh, just where we're located. So we're awful excited. Um, we've never really had an opportunity to have a big rivalry where the other team's fans come to our building and our fans go to their building. Right. Um, it just didn't happen in the BCHL. And when this team was in the North American League, you're, you know the, the closest trip was actually to Minot, North Dakota. Um, I think that's about 1,100 miles away. Uh, and so everything was a flight. So this year, we're, I'm excited for our community that uh, they're going to be able to travel and, and support the team uh, with a lot of easy drives. And we've had several calls on Friday afternoon from people in Spokane, Tri-City, Everett that have um, inquired about uh, how they get tickets here. What has been made clear, you need an arena to survive in this league, and by the looks of it, the Wenatchee Wild have just that. 4,300-seat Town Toyota Center. It's just the perfect size for a WHL arena. That's basically exactly what the Moose Jaw Event Center holds here in Saskatchewan. The Event Center holds, I think, 4,500. So by the sounds and by the looks of it, your franchise won't have to worry about a new venue anytime soon. Nice uh, stability there with it opening back in 2008. Yes, it's it's a building that's 15 years old, and it looks like it's three years old. Yeah, it's good. Um, they've done a great job at uh, the upkeep, and um, it's, a, it's a nice building. It's a, it's a good-sized building. Uh, our community within, I don't know, 10 to 15 miles, there's just over, I don't know, 100 to 120,000 people. Uh, you know, Wenatchee and the city of East Wenatchee are separated by the Columbia River, and there's about 60,000 people between those two. So, um, you know, I think that when people Google uh, Wenatchee, they see they don't realize there's two cities here that's separated by a river. They don't realize that uh, there's there's some population um, that's that's real close. So I think we I think we have a good chance that way. We've had a good business model over the years. Um, we've had an amazing owner 
uh, in David and Lisa White that I've worked for some of the best owners in, in like the USHL and in the North American Hockey League in my career. And, and this guy, uh, boy, he, he it's always about standards, about doing things right. And um, when this opportunity uh, came to him. Um, he was awful excited to, to get the deal done. And this is exciting for your fans too, not only because, you know, they have a WHL team to watch now, but like these players that they will be watching, a lot of them will be on the squad for like four or five years compared to like maybe one or two years the way it is in the BCHL. So for this reason, what do you think will be the main difference as a general manager for a WHL franchise compared to a BCHL franchise? Well, the BCHL is a recruiting league. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like college. You just you, there's no draft, uh, and just doing enough research over the years and having friends that uh, that either have been head coaches or general managers in the Western League, you you learn real quickly that it's all about the draft. Yeah, that uh, you know it, it's it is if you. You have a couple of bad drafts in a row. You're you're going to pay the price, and um, we know we have a lot of work to do. That uh, to have those teams that Winnipeg's had the last couple of years, um, you know, there's definitely a price that they had to pay, and and that's in the draft picks that uh, they had to move to get those players. So, I, I think that's that is going to be <clears throat> one of the big things um, is is navigating the. Uh, the three drafts that they have. Uh, now I did spend 12 years in the USHL and, you know, that's a, that's a draft league also. And, uh, but you do have that, you do have the second draft, yeah. the open draft in the USHL where you can restock your team. Yeah. You, you lose, you lose a couple of high end guys to, to college or to the CHL. You know, you can go to the BCHL or the North American league and, and just steal a player. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not able to do that here, so um, that that'll that'll be a big change. That you no doubt you have to you have to draft your way and do a great job there, and uh, I guess managing that list. Yeah, have you ever been to Regina, Saskatchewan before? <clears throat> oh, a, a whole bunch. I'm from Minot, North Dakota. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah, so I, I'm from Minot. I've uh, I actually played in the Saskatchewan Junior League for half a year. When I was 20 years old, I played Nippon. Oh, Nippon Hawks. Um, yep, I, I played Nippon in Nippon, and I got there. The I was at University of North Dakota, and I went up there as a 20 year old um, after Christmas that year, and uh, you know, I still stay in touch with 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 some of the people up there and some of those old teammates, and uh, yeah, I'm, I I know that area well. Uh, Regina, um, Swift, uh, Saskatoon. Um, spent growing up, spent a, a lot of time playing hockey against teams from there, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, I know the area well. That's awesome. A nice Saskatchewan connection with the Wenatchee Wilds uh, general manager, Bliss Littler. I'll tell you what, I'm just itching to see the upcoming schedule. Now, I'm not sure what the schedule rotation is, whether or not the Wenatchee Wild will be coming out east or not this year. But but when you guys do, let me tell you, we are excited to welcome you to the Brand Center here in Regina. It's going to be fun to see you guys in person for the first time. Well, sounds good. 
Appreciate Bl- that. Yeah. yeah, the general manager of the WHL's Wenatchee Wild, a brand new name in the league. That's Bliss Littler on the Western Pizza Hotline. That's pretty cool. A nice Saskatchewan connection. Used to play in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. That's what I'm talking about. Shout out to the Nippowin Hawks here on this Monday inside the cage. Heading to break. More on the other side. You're listening to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Don't miss Yorkton Auction Center's Hang and Pre-Harvest Auction. Bidding starts June 15th and closes June 20th. Over 200 lots and counting for this auction. Featured for sale is a 1998 Western Star 4900 with manure spreader. Versatile 825 four-wheel drive tractor. 2005 Wilmar Eagle 8650 self-propelled sprayer. A selection of 17 round balers, 10 hay binds and hay rakes, and so much more. Bidding starts June 15th and closes June 20th. For more information on this sale, visit yacauctions.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Back inside the Sports Cage on this Monday, 23 degrees and sunny outside here in the Queen City. Corner of 12th and Rose, downtown Regina. And uh, cannot wait for the Regina Red Sox game tonight. It's going to be a fun one. Swift Current 57's in town for a 7 o'clock Opening pitch, we just chatted with Bliss Littler, the general manager of the Wenatchee Wild, a few seconds ago. That's uh, pretty cool. Nice Saskatchewan connection there. And I believe we have a caller waiting on uh, the Western Pizza Hotline here. Dennis, how you doing today, my friend? Good. Good. What do you want to talk about today? I was listening to the you know, cage and uh, I was listening to the GM from the Wenatchee Wild. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the uh, we won't see them out east here for the next couple, not this year, but next year because the Pats did the or the U.S. were here this year. That's right. See, every I need two I, years, I, every two years. Yeah, I needed a person well, like you, Dennis, to call in and get my ducks in a row because I wasn't quite sure. So I appreciate that. Are you looking forward to seeing the Wenatchee Wild in person? Not this year, yeah. but next year. Yeah, are you a season ticket holder with the Pats? Uh, I'm half. Yeah, half I'd season? Buy, uh, yeah. Yeah, by the uh, packages. What did you think of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders performance on Friday? I think we're going to be all right. It's just a matter of time. We'll, uh, I like Harris. Harris is a quick release uh, officer. Yeah. I did not been for Pierre Grant uh, on that one back. Might have not changed the game. That was a uh, change in the, the game itself. Yeah, there's no doubt. Hey, thanks for the call, Dennis. Uh, have yourself a um, good week. Well, the Pops will do the BC swing this year. There you go. You heard it right there from our friend Dennis on the Western Pizza Hotline. And uh, so, yeah, we won't see the Wenatchee Wild come to the Brand Center this year, according to our pal Dennis. But, you know, something to look forward to, I guess, here in 2024. Always, It's always good to have something to look forward to, Blaine Wyland. I, I've learned that over the years because if you don't, you know, you might get kind of... Uh, down and gloomy. That's why uh, we have these things to look forward to. And I want to talk about uh, some things happening in the world of sports today. There's a 
couple things going across the wire. And uh, the one thing that I did did see earlier, if I could uh, find it, it was in front of me here. Uh, where is it, Blaine Wyland? Where is it? Oh, right, right here. Uh, Golden State Warriors four-time uh, NBA champion Draymond Green. Uh, well, he doesn't want to play in Golden State anymore, apparently. He uh, is done winning championships. He is declining his $27.5 million player option for uh, this coming season. So as it sits right now, unrestricted free agency in store for Draymond Green. So that's a little NBA note. That's your NBA talk for the day here on the Sports Cage. And this is really exciting as well. Uh, NHL draft one week from to- uh, one week from Wednesday, yep. right? Yep. And uh, the Regina Pats and Western Pizza... We'll be holding a 2023 NHL draft party event with the anticipation of Connor Bedard being drafted first overall, of course, by the Chicago Blackhawks. And this draft, uh, this draft party, if you will, will take place at the South Albert location. I believe that's where our, uh, where our pal Spiro is. Big shout out to Spiro. Wonderful pizza pie. And, uh, so fans can head on out to that Western Pizza on draft night. And the Pats will also be providing the opportunity for fans to enter in and win some great prizes as well on draft night. And I'm talking like pristine prizes, like a Connor Bedard signed jersey is what we're talking about here which is a uh, pretty cool so sounds like fun hopefully i get an invite to that uh hamilton tiger cats quarterback bull levi mitchell he was forced out of the team's week two loss of course against those toronto argonauts yesterday with an injury and tie cats head coach orlando steinauer refused to comment on the severity of the injury post game uh, saying only that it was you know in quote Lower body, so it's safe to say. Uh, like I, like I introed this show today. It's safe to say Ryder fans are feeling pretty good about their own QB one right now. Trevor Harris, especially after that performance that he put together on Friday night, and that wraps up wraps up uh, hour one here. On the other side of the news, the Miami Marlins radio voice Kyle Selaff will be joining us, and the Miami Marlins starting up a three game series versus the Toronto Blue Jays tonight so cannot wait to uh, chat with Kyle live down in Miami Florida that's coming up on the other side of the news you're listening to the sports cage on this Monday here on 620 CKRM number one sports talk show is on and now starting an hour earlier welcome inside the radio octagon this is the sports cage on 620 CKRM Filling in for Michael Ball, here's Sean Kleisinger. Toronto Blue Jays making a rare trip down to Miami, Florida starting tonight, although maybe not so rare with the new Major League Baseball schedule, but it's going to be a fun series to listen to as we are now joined by the radio voice of the Miami Marlins on the Marlins Radio Network, Kyle Selaff, uh, joining us live from Miami, Florida on the Western Pizza Hotline. Welcome to the Saskatchewan Canada Airwaves, my friend. Thanks for taking a few minutes so close to opening pitch tonight. Oh, absolutely. No, guys. I'm uh, happy to be uh, a guest on Canadian radio tonight. That's awesome. Yes, here we go. And before we talk about the Blue Jays and Marlins tonight, I, I want to talk about you. You are in your first season as the radio voice of the Marlins. Uh, maybe just talk about that, Kyle Selaff, a big league radio voice. I'm sure that doesn't get old, the sound of that. Uh, it does not, and it's also extremely humbling, to be quite honest with you. I actually grew up 
uh, not too far from Canada, in Ithaca, New York. So I guess about two and a half, three hours away from the border in a little village called Trumansburg, New York. Um, I went to college at the University of Miami, down here in Miami. I always had a passion for radio, got involved with student TV and student radio and stuff of that nature. And um, graduated in December of 2012, and I got an internship with the Miami Marlins about two months later in February of 2013. And I started as the pregame host from 2013 through 2022. And I also handled all of the administrative work. On the broadcasting side in 2018, I got myself on the road engineering broadcast for the team and engineering actually English and Spanish at the time. And um, I was doing about 20 to 25 games of fill-in over the course of the last couple of seasons. Uh, and then I got the lead opportunity this year. So it's, it's, it's humbling. It really is still surreal. I am a fan like everybody else. And uh, I, I just try to uh, bring some joy to people three hours a night for 162 nights a year. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Marlins radio voice, Kyle Selaff. So like you mentioned, you're from the state of New York. Uh, when did you realize that you wanted to be the voice of a professional sports team, or did it just kind of gradually happen like you uh, explained there a second ago? Yeah, I mean, I grew up in New York, and my family, my dad's side of the family is from Long Island, and if you grow up in New York, you have two choices. It's the Yankees <laughs> and the Mets. So. Uh, we were a Mets family growing up, and I watched and listened to Gary Cohen, Ron Darling, Keith Hernandez, Howie Rose, Josh Lewin, et cetera, et cetera, on TV and radio. And um, I just always remember falling asleep at nighttime to my little radio that was bedside, and I would just listen to baseball games. And there was something comforting about it, and uh, those people really feel like family, you know, and it's what bonds families together. It's what bonds dads and um, husbands and wives and sisters and brothers and uh, sons and daughters. So I, I just, I fell in love with the game. And then I fell in love with the people that would tell me what was happening during the game every night. So I, I think maybe subconsciously, that's probably where a lot of it comes from, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we're excited to have you on here ahead of the Blue Jays and Marlins series. Let's talk about the Marlins. Miami fans, I mean, they have themselves a great-looking squad this season. 41-31 and 31 on the season. Five games back of the Braves in the NL East going into play tonight, but sitting with that top wildcard spot in the National League. So I think if fans knew at the start of the season that uh, this is where their team would be on June 19th, I think they take it. Uh, is this a Miami Marlins team that is overachieving, underachieving, or are they kind of right where they should be right now? Kyle Selaf. I think yeah, I think they're right where they should be. This was a team that I don't quite frankly know if you asked me what the expectations were during spring training that I could give you a definitive answer. With a first-year young manager, an entire new coaching staff, obviously we've had Don Mattingly here for uh, nearly the last decade, and he's you know with the bench coach now with the Blue Jays, and I'm sure Blue Jays fans love seeing Donnie, and uh, mm -hmm. he's an incredible guy, but there was a change here. And when you get new players, and a first-year manager, and people are experiencing things for the first time, I don't necessarily know if you know what the expectations should be. But as I would say, as the season started has started to unwind, they continue to play better and better, and they are oh, they're twelve and zero against the Nationals, the Royals, and the Athletics. And I really do believe that the sign of a good ball club is you handle your business accordingly and appropriately against teams that are struggling, and the Marlins have done that. And I actually tweeted out earlier today, 
you know, that now now it's going to get for real because the Blue Jays are in here and it's a really good team. And the Marlins, quite frankly, from tonight, Monday, June 19th through the end of the regular season, are going for, you know, for the better part of the next four months or whatever it is, they are going to be playing playoff caliber teams every single night. And I think we're going to find out what the Marlins are made of over the course of the next couple of months. I am super intrigued by what the trade deadline may look like for this team. Uh, you know, they're 10 over 500 for the first time since May of 2011. Like, Miami Ooh. fans have not had a whole lot to cheer about over the better course of the last decade. Really, they've never had anything to cheer about when the Marlins moved 15 miles south to right outside the outskirts of the city of Miami in Little Havana. And they've got the third best record in the National League, and they're going for their fifth straight win here tonight. So it's a team that does a little bit of everything well. They're not going to totally wow you. They play complimentary baseball. They move each other over on the bases. They're okay with cashing in on a sack fly. They pitch well. They really do shorten ball games. If they can get six innings from the starting rotation with a lead, they're really confident they're going to win. They lead the entire world with one-run victories. Um, but the back end of the bullpen has been sensational. So I think it's a team they're really starting to believe that they could do a little something this season. Yeah, let's talk about some of those players that are making this happen. Left fielder Brian Dela Cruz is having himself a breakout season. I mean, he's on pace to shatter his numbers from last season. Uh, what has made Dela Cruz click so well this year? You know what? He struggled a little bit out of the gates. He made, if we're going to do the real nitty-gritty of baseball here, he mm-hmm. made an incredible two-strike adjustment, uh, I guess probably about a month and a half ago now, where when there are two strikes, he does not he does not have a big high leg kick from the front side. He keeps his toe down, and he just swat, he just swats the baseball. And he was a guy, the name, it's funny you say De La Cruz, because last offseason, MLB.com had published an article that nobody in Major League Baseball last year barreled up the baseball more than Brian De La Cruz. And he still went through his struggles, and you know he's still trying to figure some things out. But he's made this incredible two-strike adjustment this season where you know he's not an easy out with two strikes, whether it's 0-2, 1-2, 2-2, whatever the case might be. He's become a really good two-strike hitter, and he continues to get hit the ball with authority. Yeah, and what a pickup Jorge Soler has been for the Marlins. I mean, what a stud. Two-time World Series champ, one with the Cubs, one with the Braves. Soler has 20 homers to go along with 42 ribbies. So basically, Blue Jays fans, they should just be holding their breath when this guy comes to the plate for the next three days, huh? Yeah, I mean, I would say so. He, You know, it's funny that you also mentioned his name because this is a guy that signed a two-year $27 million deal, and he's got a player option for next year. It's hard to see him opting into that the way he's playing, and understandably so, and it's always a good problem to have as a team if there's a guy that's considering not opting into a player option because that's indicating that he's doing extremely well for you. He was, quite frankly, embarrassed by his season last year, and when you're making good money and he hit 207, he only played in 72 games. He's actually four games shy right now, so he'll probably surpass that this week of matching his total games from last season. He's hitting 260 with 366 on base percentage, and he's on base every single night. Going into our ball game yesterday in Washington, he was hitting 500 over his last seven games with a 688 on base percentage. He has developed a really good eye at the plate. It's very reminiscent to what Jorge Soler fans and fans of the Cubs may have seen back in 2019. When he played in 162 games, he led the league in home runs. He looks a lot like that version of himself. He's healthy, 
And he, you know, there's not a ton of big boppers in this lineup for the Marlins, but he's one guy that you do have to be concerned about every time he steps into the box because on 20 different occasions this season, you know, he's given the Marlins instant offense. Yeah, and speaking of that game in Washington yesterday, it was awesome to see uh, former Blue Jay Jonathan Davis in the lineup yesterday for the Marlins. Yeah. A, a guy who grew up in the Blue Jays' farm system. He played in over 120 games for the Blue Jays. Now he's uh, uh, with your squad down in South Beach. Uh, how's Jonathan doing? He's doing great. I, I, I think I think it would be very fair to say that about a month ago now when we were in Colorado and the transaction came that the Marlins had dealt for uh, a center fielder by the name of Jonathan Davis was in AAA with the Detroit Tigers. I would not have faulted anybody if they said, who is this? And, you know, <laughs> what, what, why? What's the reasoning? Well, he was six for seven in his first two games at the plate, and he's cooled off since then. Hitting 258 for the Marlins in 21 games. He's got a homer and eight RBIs. He's got a nice steady on base percentage. He's actually scored 16 runs in 21 games in which he's played in. This is a guy that has actually brought a very steady presence to center field. The Marlins did not have a true center fielder going at the end of the season. Uh, for fans that might follow the Marlins or, you know, follow they did this offseason, they've got a bunch of second basemen on the team. Luis Arise played first for Minnesota last season, but he's playing second. Gene Tagura, who's played second, plays third. Joey Wendell, who plays second, plays short. And Jazz Chisholm Jr., who's a second baseman, is in center field. So that was all the scuttlebutt this spring. Like, you know, oh my gosh, how's this team competently going to play defense in the major leagues? And they've actually been, they've handled Davis. He's, he's brought them a true center field presence. Yeah, and since I'm asking how players are doing, I'd be remiss not to ask how Chaz Chisholm Jr. is doing with that foot injury. Baseball fans need to need to see the show cover boy back on the field. Yeah, it sounds like he's going to have an assignment here in the next couple of days. It's incredible watching him play. You know, he's got a lot of do I, I think people do forget that sometimes that you know he has marketed himself extremely well i think he's one of like six jordan athletes he's on the cover of a video game and he's an absolute lightning rod um and he's a freak when he's on the field but jazz would even tell you i've got a lot of work to do i've got to stay healthy number one because when jazz is healthy this team is better and there's been a lot of swing and miss so he's going to look to cut down on that but he truly believes he'll be one of the best center fielders in the game and i know him pretty well and i don't think I'm going to doubt the kid because he puts his head down. He's a grinder. He's really, really sweet to be around. He's a different cat. He's a different guy, but he loves chatting with people. He'll give you as much time as you want. He's a real sweetheart, um, and uh, I, the Marlins are really lucky to have him, and I know we're all looking forward to seeing him get back on the field here soon. Miami Marlins radio voice Kyle Seelaff here on the Western Pizza Hotline for another moment or so. So tonight, Jose Barrios gets the start for the Toronto Blue Jays, and Brian Hoeing gets the ball for the Marlins. What kind of pitcher can the Blue Jays uh, expect tonight in Brian Hoeing? Well, I would say one that's not going to go very long. This is going to be kind of that de facto opener for the Marlins here tonight. Brian Hoeing has made two starts for the Marlins this season, but those two starts were actually in his first two appearances that came back on April 25th and April 30th. Since then, Brian Hoeing has exclusively worked out of the Marlins bullpen, and he's been really good in that capacity. He's got a 156 ERA and 14 appearances out of the bullpen. He has not thrown more than 87 pitches in a game this season. He's not thrown any more than 47 in relief, and that was actually back on May 6th when the Marlins were in Chicago. So I would expect if the Blue Jays can make him work a little bit here tonight, once he kind of gets near that 35 to 40 pitch range, whenever that's out or whenever that is, he's probably going to find himself out of the game. So this is going to be kind of the 
pseudo opener. You see it a lot with the Rays doing it. Obviously, they're in the American League East, and they perfected it. Marlins certainly hoping they can do that tonight, but Hoeing is pitching because of the injuries sustained, the shoulder issue to Edward Cabrera, who we would have seen tonight if he didn't get hurt. Yeah, can't wait for this series. Uh, bless Major League Baseball for switching up the schedule to include more interleague uh, because I know Blue Jay fans have had this series circle on the calendar for quite some time. Hey, Kyle, thanks for the chat today and have a good call tonight. Guys, thank you so much. Tell me anything you need, anytime, I got you. <laughs> awesome, man. Will do. That's Kyle Seelaff, the radio voice of the Miami Marlins on the Marlins Radio Network down in Miami, Florida, getting set to call the Blue Jays and Marlins tonight. It's a three-game series, and hopefully the Blue Jays, if you're a Blue Jay fan speaking, hopefully they can get this thing turned around because it has not been a very good road trip thus far. We're going to hit the break, and don't forget, at 4.35, the Silver Fox, Kelly Rempel, will be joining us. And at 5.05, the Craig Dickinson Show. Make sure to text in the questions for the coach, 306-936-6262. You're listening to the Sports Cage here on this Monday on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. The Craig Dickinson Show coming up at 5.05 today here on the Sports Cage. So don't forget to text in your questions, 306-936-6262. This is the only place where you get to talk with the coach, interact with the coach, the headman of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And your riders fell to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 45-27, of course, on Friday night. But uh, there was some great performances across the board. Our offensive game star was Sam Emelis. I mean, a hat trick when it comes to touchdowns? That doesn't happen every single day. Michael Ball with Sam Emelis after the game. Let's go down to Sam Emelis, who is in the locker room. Sam, congratulations on your game. Thank you, thank you. So uh, talk about uh, what you saw in that matchup against 22 Lawrence, because you owned them all night. Uh, you know, I was just doing my job, uh, helping the offense uh, the way I can, and it just happened that it was 22, you know, but but kudos to them. They got the win. So, uh, Sam, take us through all three touchdowns. The first one was a five-yarder in the back of the end zone. What happened on that play? Uh, yeah, this one uh, was just uh, really a, a reading. I had to read uh, the post safety was there or not, so no post safety, so I just took the middle. Uh, the, sec- the second one was a scramble play. I knew that Trevor was coming my way, so I just I just made myself available. He threw a great ball, um, just made the catch. And the third one, a uh, quick pass on the slant, and uh, I knew as soon as I had to catch it, I had to do it for the end zone. So hey, you that's, showed, that's the three touchdowns. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Hat trick for you. You showed some great flashes last year, but let's be honest, the offense was uh, off kilter all season long for various reasons. What's it like playing with Trevor Harrison? And, and more specifically, Sam, that that touchdown, that second one, where he's uh, under a little bit of duress, steps up, shuffles to the left, keeps his eyes upfield, and that allows you to work open. What's it like playing with a guy like that? All right, Trevor, man, Trevor is great, man. He, the chemistry we have together, just not me, but the other receivers is like, it's like we know, we already know. <laughs> yeah, three. <laughs> Appreciate it, coach. I can't give you the game ball this week. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, me and me and Trevor, man, the chemistry is there. Um, he been great. We always talk about what he like, about what I like, and he always like listen to what I want to do on the field and and if we need to do some tweaks. But Trevor been great so far, and I know we're gonna have a great year together. 
Hey, Sam, you were one of the guys that we were really hoping would, would make the next step from last year to this year. Talk a little bit about your off-season program, man. Like, how do you come in as prepared as you were? And obviously now the, the fruits of your labor have been paying off. Yeah, I mean, um, last year was really like an adjustment for me. Um, coming from NCAA football, you know, going back to like with the Wagle and the field size and the, 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 the name of the players and everything. So it was really an adjustment. And I really took the year to like, you know, um, focus on, 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 on guys like like Kian and, and Shaq and Duke and what they do well and just, you know, um, be ready for, for this upcoming season. So this year I feel way more comfortable um, with my teammates, my coaches, just Regina in general, the, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So it's paying off right now. Yeah, you really look like you're playing with confidence. And really, that's a, a big part of the game. You know, there's the physicality. You're like 6'1", 200 pounds. You don't take a backward step. But it's also getting out there and feeling confident. You're not thinking when you get to the line of scrimmage, right? Right. That's that's exactly what it is. And, and I think that's that's also the biggest like adjustment that I did this year. Just be comfortable and the plays won't come to you. Hey, uh, you know, we talked about it. You lost by 18. That's a pretty big loss in terms of points, but I didn't feel it was an 18-point game. Luke talked about it. You guys were at the doorstep a number of times to swing that game and just couldn't. What's the overall feeling after this tough loss? Uh, man, it hurt because um, we felt like we could have won the game. Uh, it could have been uh, one or two plays here and there that could have changed the outcome of the game. So for sure it hurt, um, especially because it's Winnipeg also. So... And it's at home. It hurt, but but the overall feeling is is we know we can get better in this long season. Well, Sam Emelis emerging as a star in your receiving core for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Three big touchdowns today. Thanks for your time, Sam. No problem. Stay healthy, man. Yeah, stay right, healthy. Thank you. Yeah, that's our offensive game star, Sam Emelis. Yeah, Sam Emelis chatting with Michael Ball post game after Friday night's uh, loss to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Indeed, a bright spot, man. He was looking good on Friday night. We are going to hit the break, and on the other side, the Silver Fox is in queue. He's ready to roll. We're going to ask him about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders but also about the Winnipeg ice sale because uh, it's not every day a team, you know, relocates to a city and then relocates again about, uh, what, four years later? So we're going to talk with the Silver Fox all about it coming up on the other side. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. And back inside the sports cage here, Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball, Blaine Wyland across the board from me. And by the way, the NHL draft is coming up one week from Wednesday, and the Pats are hosting a draft party at the South Albert Western Pizza. And I got the word that the sports cage will be alive on location that day at Western Pizza. So uh, hopefully Ballsy can uh, bring me back a piece of uh, Western Pizza. That would be nice. Uh, hopefully Ballsy's listening right now. Mark it in your phone, my friend. I would love uh, some cheese, pepperoni, you name it. I'm oh, I'm salivating now, Blaine Wyland. I can't talk about pizza anymore, but I can talk with uh, the Silver Fox, Kelly Rempel, and I can talk about some Western Hockey League action when it comes to the Wenatchee Wild and the Winnipeg Ice. It's been a crazy couple days in the Western Hockey League. Kelly, thanks for uh, taking a few minutes today, my friend. Hey, Sean, no problem. I mean, whether you want to talk about Western pizza <laughs> or the Western Hockey League, 
I, I love both westerns. How's that? Yeah, this is a west. This is a segment dedicated to the westerns. Western <laughs> movies too. Let's throw that in there. Western Not movies. Only we did John Wayne Marathon. Yeah, let's do it. On a, on, in the early, early, early morning hours of a weekend. Oh yes. <laughs> Western pizza at the same time. <laughs> With western boots on. And a, and a cowboy hat. Hey, Kelly, uh, the Winnipeg Ice have been sold to David White of uh, the Shoot the Puck Foundation. And, well, moving to Wenatchee, Washington, roughly about, I want to say, about three hours east of Seattle. TSN's Darren Drager first reported it on Friday. So, Kelly, your initial reaction when you heard the news on Friday afternoon? Well... I wasn't surprised um, in some ways. I guess I, I was kind of thinking that I was a little bit surprised at the timing because I'd spoken to a WHL executive only about two or three weeks ago, and he told me that he'd be shocked if they could possibly get something done in time for wherever the new buyer or location was to actually be able to, you know, get it done for the upcoming season. So... Not at all surprised at the sale, a little bit surprised that they're able to actually get all of this and done for the upcoming 2023-2024 season, but it needed to happen. Now, this thing has been an absolute disaster, you know, right from day one. The ownership group of the Winnipeg Ice slapped with a $500,000 fine because everything that they'd been telling the league about you know, trying to build a new arena. They were trying to build a 4,500-seat arena. And the whole premise of the sale, you know, a few years back, if you remember, was all based on that. And it was going to happen. There's no, don't, everybody's worried about nothing. It's going to happen. We've already got the deal in place. Well, it didn't happen. And it wasn't until about middle of the previous year that people started to go, I don't think these guys actually have a plan. I don't think that they're capable of making this actually happen. Have we, have we like, bought, you know, a bill of goods that never was really ever a possibility? And so I think people are happy to get out of Winnipeg. Brandon would probably be the only team that's not because it gives them one market a little bit closer. But the thing's been a disaster. And, and that ice franchise that, frankly, has been one of the absolute success stories you know, especially their time in Cranbrook, Singer, if you remember, between yeah. like 98 and 2019. Mem Cup. 2002 Mem Cup, league titles in 2000 and 2011, if my memory serves me correctly. Strong teams the last two seasons, making it to an NHL championship and all the way to a third round the previous year before last. They've done nothing but put banners all over the rink, and this is going to be the fourth team, although they're not going to be called the ice this time, thank God. <laughs> um, just unbelievable. Yeah. I think you got teams like the Moose Jaw Warriors, my favorite team, that haven't even come close to having the types of winning seasons uh, you know, that, that this team has if you want to go back all the way to like the late 90s. Um. And they're still there, and one of the smallest markets in the league, yet this team has just bounced around everywhere, and all they've done is win. Yeah. Crazy. There's not every, not every day where you have, like, a 
top team in the league relocate like six times within like a couple of years. It's just amazing. Uh, we had uh, uh, the Wenatchee Wild general manager, Bliss Littler, on in the 3 o'clock hour, and he basically echoed uh, what you were saying of how it – Everything just kind of happened real quick, you know. It just happened real quickly, this sale. And uh, on the other side of the coin, when it comes to the Winnipeg Ice, I was reading through their statement that their owners or governors, whoever you want to call them, uh, they released the statement. And basically what I got out of it was, you know, they were kind of pinning it on the pandemic that was giving them problems uh, when it come when it came to the arena deal. So I'm going to ask you, Kelly Rempel, how much of the Winnipeg ice demise was due to the pandemic, or is that something that they're just kind of you know hanging their hat on to be lazy? Well, you know, if I told you that I knew enough about it that I could honestly and fairly give yeah. a true depiction of what happened I just mean, as I, a disgruntled a disgruntled fan though like us you know when, when you see <laughs> I, I don't i don't i'm gonna be honest with you i don't buy it i i don't think that that thing would have happened even if they would would not have had a pandemic because right from the very beginning it seemed a little bit chaotic now it is possible that 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 is not true and that that was sort of the nail in the coffin mm-hmm. but it still it still doesn't explain that is, is last year at this time, so now we're through the pandemic, Sean. We're through the pandemic, and everything I heard coming out of Winnipeg was, oh, no, no, we're still, it's still going to happen. It's still going to happen. I mean, I was hearing that halfway through the season last year. So at what point do you not just say, eh, not buying it? Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, I hope this doesn't happen or come into question anytime soon, but, like, will we see a different approach to relocation going forward? I'm talking, like, papers signed, land bought before the bags are packed. You know, it's, you know, once bitten, twice shy, right? You know, sometimes you get burned on something like this. The league's been pretty fortunate. It hasn't had these types of things happen yeah. very often, but this is certainly an embarrassment to the league. There's no question about it. And uh, the ownership group in Winnipeg, they deserved a five hundred thousand dollar fine, mm-hmm. and um, that's not chump change. You know, you got to have pretty deep pockets to be able to, you know, kind of shrug your shoulders at something like that. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm weird. I'm one of those people that think there's too many teams in the Western Hockey League. I think one of the reasons we don't do very well in the Memorial Cup these days is because we got twenty two teams spaced out over four provinces and one state, well, two states, but one primarily. And the population of kids playing hockey in this region, although although from a geography standpoint, it covers tremendous amount of actual ground, when you look at the actual population, there's more people that, there's more kids playing hockey in southern Ontario than there is in the entire, you know, Western Hockey League combined Hmm. by a long shot so if it was up to me there'd be there would be probably more like you know 18 or 20 teams in the western hockey league and they would never have expanded to this level in the first place but that's just me i'm one person and i'm not the one cutting checks and i'm not an owner that wants more and more and more and more so it's easy for me to say that but it wouldn't, it wouldn't bother me if they wouldn't have even relocated the team and they would have just divvied up the players and had an expansion draft and allowed teams to strengthen their rosters and maybe the hockey. I hate to say 
Sean, I hate to say watered down because it's almost an insult. Yeah. But it is a little bit. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> the Silver Fox, Kelly Rempel, joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. So the Wenatchee Wild, huh? That's what they're going to be called. And uh, of course, it's uh, a BCHL team, which is basically being bumped up to the dub level, is uh, the way that I take it. I spoke with the GM, like I said earlier. They're going to be acquiring all of Winnipeg's roster, of course. Uh, and they're going to be playing it in an arena, which is 15 years old. It opened in 2008. I'm talking of. Uh, the Wenatchee Wild here. And you're going to like this one, Kelly. The capacity is right around what the Moose Jaw Event Center is, about uh, 4,300. I think Moose Jaws is about 4,500. So a nice dub size rink. But with, huh, with all that said and done, how are we supposed to feel as, you know, Canadian hockey fans seeing another franchise in the States? Isn't that kind of like a kick between the shorts? Or am I the only one feeling a bit queasy here? Feeling a bit queasy, Kelly. Um, or does that, or I am I out to lunch on this one? I'm just one guy too. At the end of the day, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I also don't want to see another team go to somewhere in Canada, and they and that to me would be worse. Right. So you, you know, they've already tried Chilliwack, and that didn't work. And they, you know, we've kind of been down this road where it's like let's let's really try to force another team. But where are you going to put the team? Hmm. I mean, clearly, if you look in Saskatchewan. There's no team that you're able to go to. I've heard different people talk about maybe Lloyd Minster, so that might be one, uh, I guess it's a hybrid between Alberta and Saskatchewan. That's one place that you could maybe think about going, but I don't think they have a rank. They would need to go through that whole process and you know that Winnipeg was trying to do. Estevan's to another one that's been thrown out there. Which one, sorry? Estevan. Yeah, come on. Let's be serious. <laughs> hey, I'm just I'm just telling you that that's that's been the word. Yeah. I don't know whether these people are logical or what, but no, there's no way. Go on. Nah, though. I mean, Swift Current, Swift Current in today's day and age lose money almost every year. At, at least it feels <laughs> like they do. Yeah, they, they've got a hard enough time, and they've got a population there of almost seventeen thousand people. Yeah. So I think it's a romantic idea. I would love it in the you know in that sense, but. As you get into year five and six and seven and eight and nine, as the thing as the interest level starts to kind of you know wane a little bit, can a can a get a market of you know ten or eleven thousand people realistically, you know, support it? And and in BC, you know, Nanaimo, I don't know. There's there's different places, Sean, but I would just as soon see the league stop expanding, and if anything, cut back on some teams. And when we have any more failures, and it's inevitable that it'll happen, it's just a matter of when i mean it's at some point it will instead of looking at expanding let's just cut back and let's just have fewer teams and better hockey yeah that's how i feel about the national hockey league by the way like exactly the same yeah exactly the same what do we need more teams for really yeah i mean you got vegas a couple years later seattle a couple years from now what we'll have portland we'll have here i mean enough enough do you know what the worst league is at this right now is major league soccer every single year there's like two or three new teams it's just crazy but uh, it's not every day when you see like i said a top team relocate just goes to show you of course what venues mean to the bottom line this day and age when a league has a you know a standard for a venue you don't meet the standard you're basically not welcomed in the club 
anymore. It's kind of like when I was in grade school, everyone was uh, getting these nice skateboards, and I had a crappy one, like a dollar store one. So eventually, I never got invited anymore to the skate park. You know, I was I wasn't up to the standard anymore, man. Tough love, tough business, tough life. Kelly Rempel on the Western Pizza Hotline here with us. Uh, give us your thoughts on the Riders' loss on Friday, Kelly. Well, I, I hear a wide range of, of opinions on this, so I'm happy to weigh in with mine. Mm-hmm. I, I will say this, Sean, and I might surprise some people by saying this. I thought that that game, from just a sheer entertainment standpoint, for the guy that's going to take his wife or the guy that's going to take his girlfriend or take a couple of his kids and spend a few hundred bucks on a night out or sit in front of his TV and just enjoy a football game, that had to have been ten times more exciting than the slop that we watched from that team last year. Mm. Like, I I really enjoyed it. I know we lost, and you're always going to get people that say, yeah, but a loss is a loss is a loss. They all count for the same. Zero points. And there's something to be said for that. I get that. And we were beat by a better team. Let's not make any mistake about it. You know, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers probably going to win 15 or 16 games this year. Riders, if they finish 500, I'll be happy because think about what we had to watch last year. But at least this team was entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought that game, I mean, yeah, we won the Edmonton game, but that was not a particularly entertaining game. It had its moments. I mean, the goal line stand, they had three opportunities to get in. That won us the football game. That was exciting. But. From a play-in and play-out perspective, I just didn't find it to be really that much fun to watch. I'd love this game. Mm-hmm. You know, you got a you got a quarterback that throws for over 400 yards. You got two receivers on the Riders that had 120 plus yards each. One guy had three touchdowns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was the offense showed signs of life. It was like. Last year, you kept waiting for somebody to perform CPR on that offense that was so bad. <laughs> so, it looked like a humble, jumbled, disorganized, chaotic, slop fest and mess most of the time. At least this offense had a little bit of pep and a little bit of synergy and some energy. And, yeah, the defense didn't play well, you know, by and large. But you're also playing against a team that's, quite frankly, the best in the league. So, and And you ran with them. For two and a half, almost three quarters. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be realistic, folks. We're not going to win the Grey Cup this year. So when I look at that game, I thought you're, you're a pass interference call and a 92-yard touchdown punt return from Janarian Grant away from probably having a heck of a finish. Yeah, it was uh, 100% agree with you. Some of those throws that Trevor Harris was making, I don't think uh, quarterbacks... Uh, uh, well, how do I put it? I don't think uh, quarterbacks in the past couple years here in Regina would have made those throws. Uh, I'm just trying to be nice here, but uh, Trevor Harris was uh, he was he was locked in making a lot of nice throws. And uh, Kelly Rempel, we always appreciate your time here on the Western Pizza Hotline inside the Sports Cage, and uh, thanks for uh, laying it on the line, my friend, and give me your thoughts. You're always a straight shooter, and I appreciate that about you. Well, now I'm hungry. <laughs> and I got to go order some Western pizza and gain a couple pounds. So thanks so much, Sean. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. <laughs> don't forget your uh, cowboy boots. If you if, don't bother walking out the door, if you don't put on your Western boots, right? 
that's where I draw the line right there. All I, right. I, I, well, I'll try to convince you next time. That's Kelly Rimple on the Western Pizza Hotline uh, joining us here. And uh, yeah, hundred percent agree with Kelly there. I mean, the I mean, the team was actually really exciting to watch. That's why I started off the show today really excited because I'm amped up about this team's future. Uh, we're late for a break. Let's uh, hit the break. We'll be back with more on the other side. You're listening to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. This is the Craig Dickinson Show, our weekly chat with the Riders bench boss about the latest news from the locker room. It's the only place where Dickie takes questions from Rider Nation. Here we go. The Craig Dickinson Show brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience. McDougal Auction. Dot com And keep those texts coming. 306-936-6262. I'm Sean Kleisinger filling in for Michael Ball today. Blaine Wyland across the board from me in my regular spot. And uh, honored to talk with the head coach of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Craig Dickinson. Uh, thanks for joining us as always. Coach, how you doing today, my friend? Doing good, Sean. Happy to be here with you today. Awesome. How was uh, your Father's Day? Father's Day was excellent. Um we had we had an extra day of prep this week, so we were able to get some work done and get out of here a little earlier than normal. And I was able to call my dad and wish him a happy Father's Day. And then obviously, some of our coaches who have family here, they were able to get home and spend spend the evening with their families, which is really nice. It's a special day, and uh, it was a good day around here. Hey, let's talk about that. When you uh, when you think back to your childhood, what do you think of when it comes to uh, your dad? Any funny stories to share? Oh boy, my dad is a real character. Lots of funny stories, and they usually revolve around sports or fishing. And uh, I can think of many fishing stories. I was kind of his his wingmate when he would go fishing when I was a kid, and and he used to always tell me if we were going somewhere maybe that was a little dangerous, like a river that had a little extra current or i remember ice fishing sometimes when the ice wasn't maybe as thick as it should be and he would always say make sure make sure you don't die because if you die your mother will divorce me (laughs) (laughs) i was like dad aren't you concerned about me that well yeah of course but i really don't want to get a divorce so make sure you're careful and and Keep your life vest on. <laughs> he wanted to wait, keep wait. his financials in order. That's what it was. I don't, I, I don't think it's anything about financials. I think it's just more. He yeah, liked, I know. He liked having my mom around. So yeah, I know. know. He did something stupid and I got hurt. He would hear it from uh, Mama Sue. That's funny. So uh, when you and uh, Dave were kids, was there anything in particular that uh, you two were like very competitive in to the point where like dad had to intervene because you and Dave both turn into like Mike Tyson type of thing. Yeah. You know what I'm getting at? We're competitive (laughs) in everything. Um, You know, mainly sports, but dad never had to really intervene. He used, used to just let us slug it out. So, so there, there was a many an instance when we were, we were getting, you know, crossing the line, so to speak. And he didn't have to intervene much. I think maybe one time, one time in high school, we were getting into it in the car and he, he, you know, I think all parents have said this. Don't don't make me stop the car. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. that, that was the the one I remember. So we didn't. We 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 toned it down, and he didn't have to stop the car and address the situation. So was your dad like a big sports fan when uh, you and Dave were kids? Is that where like the the influence of loving football and sports came from, or was it something yeah. that you yeah, did? Yeah, he was. Yeah, and he was a good athlete too. You know, my dad was a 
was a high high level speed skater growing up in Butte, Montana, and then he then he played football and basketball and all the sports, and he ended up blowing his knee in football in the eighth grade. And here here's the ironic story: the guy that tackled him uh, was Bob Obilovich. My dad and Bob Obilovich grew up together in Butte, and uh, Bob Obilovich was actually on the uh, defense when my dad was playing running back, and my dad tore his knee and had to have surgery back in 1952 or whatever it was, and he was never quite the same again as a football player, but he he played basketball in college, and he was a really an excellent speed skater, so I, we got a lot of our our athleticism for my dad. So Bob Obilovich, we're talking the head coach of the yeah, Toronto Argonauts when they the won the Great Cup? Coach, GM of yeah. Toronto, him and my dad were high school classmates. Oh, wow, that's something that, uh, see, we learn something every single day yeah. on the Craig Dickinson and, Show or every single week. Here's another one for you, Sean. Yeah. Evil Knievel was also in that class, maybe a year ahead. So you got oh. my dad, Bob Obilovich, Evil Knievel, all Butte High grads. In the late fifties, do you think they can all like sign a ball for me or something and mail it to I, downtown I Regina? Gone. I think Evil Knievel's not with us anymore. Uh, but now I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel bad. This is the Craig Dickinson show here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Craig, uh, this is a. Uh, this is a uh, fun to be able to chat with you today. You have had the weekend now to reflect on, you know, Friday night's game. And uh, I guess, was there anything that came to mind on the weekend that you were proud of? And then on the other side of the coin, maybe something that you were kind of, you know, like, like kicking yourself over. Sure. Yeah. I was really proud of our efforts. I felt like we played hard uh, the whole way. And I was really proud of how um, the guys rallied. We had entries, and the, the next man up was was happening, and uh, across the board. And we had guys like Micah Johnson, Larry Dean, even our third string quarterback Shea Patterson coming up to Coach Majeri and myself and saying, "Where do you need me? I'll play wherever you need me on specials." Because we lost a bunch of special teams guy in a in a span there in the second quarter, and I was really proud of the way our team just just reloaded and regrouped and just kept going. And I, I think that. Um, you know, never say die attitude is going to serve us well in this season. Uh, as far as uh, uh, things I wish we'd done differently, a few things. Certainly wish wish we had covered that punt better. You know, I thought that was a back-breaking play. We had them pinned deep, you know, on the penalty, and then they picked it up. And I'm not necessarily saying that was the wrong decision. I wish we'd have tackled them. We had more than enough opportunities to do that. So we showed the film of that, and we've coached hard, and hopefully that won't happen again. Um, you know, there's a few things I wish I'd done differently in terms of, of the game and decisions, but for the most part, I, I felt like we played hard, played well. Uh, we needed a stop late. We just couldn't get it. And, uh, you know, that's a really good Winnipeg team that we played. And I, I think, uh, they're going to win a lot of games, uh, this year. And we're hoping that we can improve and, and play them better next time. Yeah. In regards to that kick return, when you uh, took a look at it on the film, what does, uh, what does it come down to? Was it just contained tackling a mixture of both? Uh, it was a mixture of both new players out there playing spots that they maybe aren't comfortable playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and really just a lack. We did not set the new boundary. You know, at some point you got to force that return to go back the other way. And we had four or five guys there that weren't able to do that. Um, and then you have to give a lot of credit to, to Janarian Grant and the Winnipeg, you know, special teams unit. Those guys kept playing for him, kept blocking for him, and he just kept breaking tackles and extending the play. And next thing you knew, he realized, hey, I only got a couple here to beat. And uh, he's good. I mean, he, he yeah. he's going to have more. That'll be 
that'll be one of his touchdowns this year. He's going to have more. He, mark my words. He's probably yeah. going to have two or three more before it's all said and done. It's the Craig Dickinson Show from McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience, McDougalAuction.com. And I guess maybe talk about uh, the game Trevor Harris had. I mean, why not? He put over 400 yards through the air, and he looked like, honestly, I'm not just saying this because we're on Regina Radio, but he looked like the best quarterback in the league on uh, on Friday. The type of throws he was making, pinpoint accuracy, you must be pleased with what you saw on Friday night. Yeah, I was. And, and with no practice, yeah. you know, he he was legitimately hurt going into this game. I, I felt like he would play just because he had told me uh, he felt, felt like he would. So I had planned on it all along, but he didn't get any practice. Short week and uh, came out and just looked outstanding. Uh, and credit also to the guys around him. I mean, there's some receivers making plays. It seemed like every ball that he threw that was a tough catch, our guys caught it, and then he threw some dimes in that game. Really accurate. Um, I really just like the way he manages the game. He, he's in and out of the huddle efficiently, and he, he just does things well. So I was very pleased. I thought it was an excellent game by Trevor in the offense. So, uh, Craig Dickinson, what's your plan going into this week as far as uh, now, this might sound silly because I don't expect you to you know, to spill the beans on everything, but I know fans, they're wondering the status of Gerald, uh, Gerald Hawkins, sorry, and I know uh, Ryder fans also excited to see Colin Kelly possibly in the lineup. Uh, where's your mind at when it comes to those two guys? Sure. They're both eligible to play, so we're going to practice them hard this week. Uh, I feel like our old line as a, as a group has done a pretty good job through two games. But, boy, if we could get Hawk at one tackle and Kelly at the other, I think that might give us a little bit better uh, better old line. But at the same time, maybe not. So it's still got to be good chemistry with that group. So Coach Vitale, you know, he's tasked this week with, with mixing them in and, and getting everybody reps. And uh, at the end of the week, we'll figure out what our best five are. Uh, could be both of them, could be one of them, could be neither of them. But we feel like we've got some good tackles in-house now, and we've got a lot of options the way we want to dress. We are with the head coach of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Craig Dickinson, on the Western Pizza Hotline, the Craig Dickinson Show. We are going to hit the break, and on the other side, we'll ask the coach a couple questions, and then uh, we will let him go and enjoy this uh, beautiful Monday evening here in the Queen City. You're listening to the Sports Cage here on this Monday on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. And we are back with the Craig Dickinson Show on this Monday for McDougal Auctioneers, where you're guaranteed the best buying and selling experience, McDougal Auction. Dot com And uh, we are taking your questions. We have a lot of questions here for the head coach. Unfortunately, we can't get to them all because, uh, you know, we, we're we on a time clock here. You know, no time clock violations allowed inside the sports cage. Uh, Craig, I got one here from uh, Brad in Saskatoon. Brad is wondering, uh, well, I'll just read it in quote. Why uh, Anthony Lanier is not playing a defensive tackle this season? He dominated the interior last season when he played inside. Just want to get your thoughts on that. That's from Brad in Saskatoon. Yeah, that's good. That's a good observation by Brad. We we feel like he can play inside or out. Or out, I should say. And um, we're just dressing our best 60 linemen and rotating them. So there'll be times when we'll kick Anthony inside to a three technique. There'll be times when we play him on the edge. But that's the that's the premise behind it. We feel like we've got um, really good defensive front this year, and we want to try to rotate those guys. So he'll, they'll see him 
Uh, Brad, you have my word. You'll see Anthony rotate inside uh, a lot this year. And we have Dale and Assiniboia wondering, uh, Coach Craig Dickinson, what was uh, your number one sport that you played in either grade school, uh, grade school or high school? Well, I got to tell you, when I was young, I was probably the my probably my best sport was basketball. I was I was pretty good basketball player, and then as I got older, it it, it became football. I also really enjoyed golf. So those were the three sports I played growing up: was basketball, football, and golf. And uh, we have another one from Gerald here. Uh, Gerald is wondering. You know, this is kind of, uh, but uh, he's wondering why so many injuries in the last three years. Now, uh, it's kind of, I kind of chuckle because I don't think, you know, it's not like anyone has the answers to that. That's a difficult question to answer, but I'll I'll give it your way, Craig. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, if I knew, I yeah. would uh, certainly try to do things differently so we didn't have injuries. But um, we're hopeful that a lot of them are going to be shorter-term injuries. Um I just think football is a really violent and, and high collision game, and and I think you know, I think every team has them. I'm not sure why we have a little more than others, but you know we're not gonna we're not gonna sit back and feel too sorry for ourselves. We're just gonna get to work and figure out a way to get the best 45 guys we can on the field and go from there. Uh, Peter in Saskatoon is wondering uh, if you get a little more juiced up, a little more amped up when you're going against your brother like you will be coming up here on uh, Saturday at McMahon Stadium. I actually don't. I try to stay fairly mm. even keel. And yeah. if you think about it, I've been coaching for a long time now, and yeah. so has Dave. So this is probably our, you know, I don't know. If you think two a year, this will be eight to ten games we've played against each other, not to mention all the games we played against each other when I was an assistant. So uh, I don't get overly amped. I mean, again, it's, it's it's still about the players. The players will win and lose the game, and we just try as coaches to put them in the right spot and not screw them up. That's the main goal for us as coaches. Do you talk with uh, Dave throughout the week when it's leading up to the game, or is it kind of like uh, old school, you know, uh, leave me alone. You know, you're an enemy right now, my friend. Well, we don't talk a whole lot during the season anyway just because oh. we're so busy. Yeah. busy. But but we will talk a little bit. And the main thing is we'll just, um, you know, try to organize because my parents are going to come up and watch the game. So I'm hoping the night before the game to get out and, oh, nice. and have dinner with, with Dave and my folks. So that's that's all we pretty much talk about. We don't talk about shop too much. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, Jerome, listening in Vancouver, this is the last one for the coach here. Uh, Jerome is wondering, uh, oh, the message uh, is uh, actually, uh, screened it, not going to read it. Coach, that's all I'm going to, that's all I'm going to uh, go. Are you, are you doing some damage control for me, Sean? I'm doing, yeah, I, I just, I'm not comfortable reading that one on the airwaves, Coach. I already read one goofy one when it comes to, you're supposed to know how injuries happen, Craig, and, you know, I already expected that answer out of you so you know <laughs> we won't go there uh hey craig thanks for your time today on the craig dickinson yep. show this has been Glad fun talking with you you guys have a great day yep you too all right that's uh, the head coach of your saskatchewan rough riders here on uh, the western pizza hotline and that's why you screen questions see i feel like a robot man i read through it and i was like eh, no so uh, we do appreciate all your texts, though, on the Western Pizza Hotline, 306-936-6262. Keep them on rolling because uh, we are not done yet. We are going to head to Calgary in a few short minutes here and chat with linebacker from the Calgary Stampeders, Micah Alway. And uh, Micah is a CFL vet at this point, and I know that uh, he loves 
to uh, get amped up when he goes up against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, as he does for every single team. So we're going to dig in and chat with Micah on the other side. Well, that's coming up at 535. On the other side of this break, we will uh, check in with our Regina Red Sox report because the Red Sox are taking on the Swift Current 57s. Uh, coming up here tonight, 7 o'clock opening pitch from the friendly confines of Curry Field. That's coming up on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And back inside the Sports Cage, it's 534 here on this Monday. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Next up for them, a date in Cowtown, Calgary, Alberta, coming up here on Saturday. It's a 5 p.m. kickoff at McMahon Stadium, so that means our pregame show will be on the air right at 2 p.m. with Countdown to kickoff. And then the hour leading up to the actual kickoff will be the Rider Nation pregame show with Michael Ball, Luke Mullender, and then, uh, yes, the kickoff itself and all the play-by-play action. And then after the game, the fifth quarter, and then the Sports Cage Radio Roundtable after the game as well. So it's the best coverage you will find in the Canadian Football League. It's the best, and there's I don't think there's any arguing at, at, at this point. It's just uh, the bottom line. I don't think any other station nationwide will cover their football team like we do here at 620 CKRM. And uh, one of those players that will be going up against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Saturday is linebacker Micah Alway. And Micah joins us right now on the Western Pizza Hotline. Hey, Micah, thanks for uh, carving out a couple minutes here and joining us here on this Monday. Oh, no problem at all. Right on. As uh, Micah and his uh, and his Stampeders, they're gearing up, of course, to take on the Rough Riders uh, coming up here on Saturday. And Micah, you probably get this a lot, but uh, don't <laughs> don't hit Trevor Harris the way you hit Carson Wentz a few years ago in the NFL preseason game. Okay, I I know I know this one kind of carries uh, around with you, but uh, hey, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That hit kind of put you on the map up here in Canada, didn't it? No teams in the CFL were like really reaching out to you until you absolutely laid the lumber on Wentz in that preseason game I mean that that hit right there was just um simply that continued my career um I'm not forget it was the day after the game after you played the Eagles and my agent sent me a text message he's like hey two CFL teams are interested in you um the BC Lions and Saskatchewan Rough Riders and I'm like what's the CFL (laughs) he said Canadian Football League and I was like how long have they been a league? Like a hundred plus years. I was like, oh wow! And I looked it up immediately, and you know that was a you know that was in the very beginning of training camp, the first preseason game. So I didn't think much of it, but um, I should have because <laughs> end up being. Um, my career extender. Yeah, and the funny thing about that whole situation as well is uh, when Carson Wentz came out of the game in that preseason game between the Buccaneers versus the Eagles, it was McLeod Bethel-Thompson who came in into the game to replace Wentz. So uh, CFO connections all over the place. And who would have thought that eventually you would be, you know, matching up against McLeod Bethel-Thompson? And, I mean, it's just crazy how uh, everything comes together, huh? Oh man, it's crazy, and I mean, I end up being McLeod's teammate yeah. in Toronto, twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, and I remember seeing again. I went back to the film and the actual play and the TV copy, and right when I hit Carson Wentz, you look straight across <laughs> to the Eagle sideline, and there's McLeod right there. 
and yeah. he gets in after that, which well, it's just ironic and funny, I guess. Yeah, there's no doubt. Micah Awe, linebacker for the Calgary Stampeders, with us here on the Western Pizza Hotline leading up to the big game on Saturday, and we can't wait for it. Love those games at McMahon Stadium. So how uh, how's your time been so far in, in Cowtown, Micah? Oh, it's been great. I mean, it's it's like the closest, probably the closest town I've been to to uh, Texas mm. town. You know, yep. finds me a lot of you know Houston, you know, oil and gas and stuff like that, and um, the vibes like that. I mean, if you look at the McMahon Stadium, I was telling some of my teammates, I'm like, y'all know what they were doing here with the infrastructure. They're like, what? I'm like, these are these are um, drills. They're like the 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 four pillars around the the stadium yep. are imposing, like you know, drilling. And um, my teammates didn't have had no idea, but you know that was my degree. So I, you know, I think that's pretty cool, and you know, it kind of has a Texas Tech connection too with the whole horse thing. And we had a horse at Texas Tech. We were red as well, Texas Tech. So there's, there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. How do you like those new threads? It's the first year that Calgary is uh, wearing these ones. Well, they they have worn the the red ones, but they have, you know, tinkered with a bit. But uh, you guys were looking really sharp in Ottawa with those uh, white unis. Oh, yeah, I love them. I love them. I mean, I I think they did a great job. You know, every time we walk into our team facility, we kind of see that first championship team wearing um, that similar jersey and, you know, doing a new version of it. I think it's, you know, it's great, you know, bringing back the old and, um, they did a great job putting it all together. Makes the CFL look, you know, really good. You know, yeah, great um, uniforms like that. Yeah, and I also like it too because uh, you know the Stampeders they kind of transitioned away from having black in the uniforms, and now you can actually know for sure when you kind of glance at the TV that it's not the Ottawa Red Blacks anymore; it's the Calgary Stampeders. I know some <laughs> fans were kind of getting confused about that over the years, but uh, no, it's great to see. So you got the the Saskatchewan Roughriders coming up here on Saturday. Uh, I was going to ask you: Is there one team that you kind of get more amped up to play, or is it basically all the same when it comes to the Canadian Football League? The next game is uh you know uh just the same as far as getting amped and uh, uh ready to roll oh man i mean there there's always storylines there everywhere yeah. um, you know you know i wouldn't say that any particular game would be any different than the other i mean it's just the truth i, I kind of take it all the same but you know me knowing trevor from last year i mean i know how trevor works i mean that's the number one thing he's a worker um, he was in there with me watching film till you know, 5.30, p.m. every day. So I know he's doing the same thing. And um, me knowing that, it, it's kind of, it's it's a cool challenge. I mean, the CFL is full of high-level, talented guys. I mean, kind of reminds me of when I first came in the league and, you know, we were playing Ricky Ray. You know, it's one, two, check down. I mean, that's how quick he gets the ball out. And he reads the defenses very well. So it's it's a fun matchup because when you go against a guy like that, that's high caliber, you got to you got to prepare a little bit more, a little bit more focused because I know how much he works. Um, so it's it's a fun matchup, um, but more or less the same intensity is going to come. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Uh, former teammates with Trevor Harris, I was just going to ask you, like uh, like off the field, what kind of guy is Trevor Harris like? You know, I know fans here in Regina, here in Saskatchewan, still kind of getting to know the quarterback. We all know he's a great guy, great father, and obviously a great quarterback. But uh, you were in the locker room with him, and you watched film with him. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, Saskatchewan's quarterback number one this year? 
Yeah, I mean, number one, it's it's the drive. I mean, he. I don't think he's really ever got the recognition that he deserves for what he's done, um, and he knows that. That's why he keeps on working. I, I think. I actually think he likes that. You know, he's, he's similar to me in that way where you know, I don't think I've even touch a glimpse of my max potential and he it's the same thing for him but you know we're the the main thing you know saskatchewan fans should know is like you know i'm I'm saying all this but he's in there as well doing it like hmm. he's putting in the work it's not just all talk it's actually it's it's mostly work you know you know when he tells me all these things it's one-on-one kind of thing like how he feels but he's just going to put in the work and you know and that's what i've also learned too as a football players you you can't really guarantee your success week in week out but what you can guarantee is how how much you work you know you work hard you're giving yourself the best chance to be successful after that you got to apply it on game day and become a baller so um that that's really the only thing i can guarantee to the fans um to um to the fans about trevor harris yeah, we are with linebacker Micah Alway of the Calgary Stampeders, and I was uh, taking a look at the schedule. It looks like you have uh, a bye week next week. So, uh, anything planned on your bye week? Do you plan on uh, going back home, or is that kind of just uh, not in your mind yet? You just want to play this football game first. I'm definitely going to play this football game, but then um, I'm going to go back home to my wife. Uh, we just got married this last off season, and it's, it's, we haven't seen each other since training camp so um that's gonna be good to go back go back in san antonio and you can see her for the first time so uh but you know it's it's just part of our business and you know i love the game and you know we've been dating since my sophomore year at texas tech so football has always been um part of our relationship and um you know it it has these sacrifices that we both kind of got to make but um that's what makes it all worthwhile that's what makes you know, the drive even better because, you know, I'm not just out there having fun. I'm not just out there. It's not, it's not about the money. It's about much more than that. It's about, you know, putting in all the work you've been putting in since you've been a little kid. And it's funny. I mentioned her looking back at the time. I'm like, man, I've been playing football for 16 years. (laughs) And it it sounds like a crazy amount of time. And, um, but that's, that's why you know you love it because you put in so much work into it and um, the sacrifice and that's what which that's what you end up doing it for. Does that time away uh, from your loved ones get any easier over the years? We hear players talk about it all the time. Uh, you know, being away uh, from home, and I I just can't like put myself in that position because I've never done it before. You know, like I miss my kid when I'm away from home for like you know <laughs> a couple hours. So I just can't imagine what a pro athlete has to go through. Oh man, I mean, it's give and take. It's mm-hmm. give and take. I mean, I, 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 it's a dream to me to be playing pro football. Um, you know, when I was at Texas Tech, we had you know rough schedule. I mean, wake up at four a.m. workouts, then do school, then do practice, then study. And I remember my first pro practice where you know at Tampa Bay where I, I practiced, and then afterwards. I didn't have any homework and I'm like, oh, I'm getting paid, you know, to, to play football and I don't have to go home and do homework anymore. You know, so yeah. to me, you know, that's a give and take. It's like a lot easier now from that standpoint. But like, again, from the family standpoint, 
it's something that we've always done. Again, like me and my my wife, you know, we dated for nine years. Yeah, it's tough every every off season. It's basically six months off, but um, it's something that we just have to every off season, every in season. It's it's new challenges. All right, like how are we going to see each other? You know, plane tickets, just trying your best. But it also gives you a lot of um, microcosms of life, I guess. Is what Coach Wall used to tell us, um, mm-hmm. and it helps you to. It helps you in a lot, a lot of light skills. You know, you know how to sacrifice, and it keeps you focused. You know, I'm not, I'm not out here to be an average player. I'm not spending time away to be, oh, hey, I had a good career. You know, that's not what I'm doing it for. Um, and every day is kind of a reminder of that. Um, so it, it's give and take. I'm a pro athlete. I love that, and I'm very thankful for it. And this is just kind of what comes with it. Um, so i got to make sure it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, Stampeders linebacker Micah Alway on the Western Pizza Hotline here. And uh, just one more quick one for you, Micah. You mentioned uh, Wally Buono. Who has been the biggest influence when it comes to uh, coaching in your career? Oh, man. Too, had, probably too tough. There's probably number, a lot. I've had my fair number of coaching. Um, but I would I would honestly have to go back to my roots. Um I don't think I'd be anywhere close to being a pro athlete if I didn't go back to my sophomore year when Coach Sample, who was my linebacker coach, came to my high school. Um, and he, I mean, there, he spent time to make sure he taught us what the pros were getting taught. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned I learned how to read, how to do everything I do as a pro sophomore year in high school. <laughs> um, and... And I, I can't, he's like a second father to me. And really, it's things like a, a particular story that really kind of set me for the rest of my career and gave me these kind of like aspirations and goals. Is going to my senior year, I hadn't had a, any scholarships or anything like that yet. And um, we had spring ball, and it was my last spring ball practice. And Coach Sample asked me, hey, are you going to any of these camps? And I was like, uh, I mean, probably not, because, you know, my family's big into education. They didn't really understand how football worked. And my coach looked at me and said, if you don't go to the camps, you're going to be twiddling your thumb your senior year because you're going to have nothing. Knowing my talent, and um, I ended up going to camp, and I ended up getting a scholarship at Texas Tech a few weeks later. And then the next question he had, you know, he kind of set me down and was like, okay, what are your goals for your senior year? And me thinking I'm big, thinking a little bit too big, I was like, oh, you know, I want to be defensive player of the year. And he looked at me and was like kind of a side eye. Was like defensive player of the year, you should be aiming for player of the year, most valuable player of the year. And I looked at him and I was like, all right, well, that's my goal. And sure enough, a year later, as a pure linebacker, I didn't return punts or anything like that and play quarterback on the other side. I played pure linebacker and I actually got – MVP of my district um, and that moment kind of taught me that you know he number one he believes in me and number one I got to believe in myself first um, so that being said you know that kind of got me all the way to pro athlete I mean I I truly truly believed in my heart I could be a pro athlete and I truly truly believe in my heart that I could be a Hall of Fame player but then now <laughs> what he also taught me was now you got to go work. Yeah. So I go to work every day having that in the back of my mind and I'm having those goals. 
So shout out to Coach Sample. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great story, man. And uh, quickly, uh, Texas Tech, you would have uh, been on Patrick Mahomes' team, correct? I and actually, I'll, I'll one up you. I was actually first on Baker Mahomes' team because Baker Baker Mayfield. I mean, Baker Mayfield came my uh, my sophomore year and he started, and then he had transferred, and then it was Patrick Mahomes right. for two years. Yeah, so you got um, both of those. I was guys. also teammates with Pete Robertson, who, as you probably know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I, I love how the football world kind of connects, you know, through uh, both the leagues. You go through the rosters and you kind of think, hey, he might have played with that guy. He might have played with that guy. So that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty cool thing. Hey, man, this has been fun. Micah Alway joining us here on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, I was going to say, good, yeah, do you know what? Good luck on Saturday. Just take it easy on Trevor Harris. No Carson Wentz type of hits, okay, <laughs> my friend? We, we don't need that in Rider Nation this year. <laughs> Hey, no guarantees. I'm just going to work hard and the rest of the ball. Yeah, man. Now, thanks for your time, man. I can't wait to watch you play here on Saturday night at McMahon Stadium. Have a good rest of your night. Yep, thank you for the opportunity. Bye. Awesome. That's Micah Alway, linebacker for the Calgary Stampeders. And uh, he will serve as the competition coming up here on Saturday night. And uh, it's a 5 p.m. kickoff from McMahon Stadium. And as mentioned before, our pregame show will be on the air at 2 p.m. with Countdown the Kickoff. Wrapping up the show next, you're listening to the Sports Cage here on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. That was a fun conversation there with Micah Alway, linebacker from the Calgary Stampeders. And I can't wait for this game coming up here on Saturday. That's the best part about football season, man, is... You know, you could lay an egg one week, or you could come close to winning one a week, but you always know that you have a game coming up on the other side, you know, a week from that point. And that's why at the end of the season, when, you know, all the games are said and done, us fans, we're just kind of sitting there all numb thinking, where's my football? I want football. So it's a... It's a Really happy to be back in the thick of things here for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. One and one start to the season, and uh, I have a pretty good feeling about this game on Saturday night. Now, it's not going to be easy, okay? Not going to be easy, but I, th- I think the Rough Riders have the horses, no pun intended, have the horses to win this game. What do you think, Blaine Weiland? Uh, do you, what are your vibes like? I think if we can get Hawkins back, maybe, maybe Colin Kelly. Uh, you got to believe that they're going to insert one of those guys in there. It's it's not like the offensive line has been really bad, but those I guys are pretty good football players. I don't think they've been bad. I think they've been better than from last year. Like, I think, uh, you know, Trevor Harris has definitely helped out the offensive line in terms of his release of the ball, but I do think that they are giving him more time than they were, mm-hmm. like, last year. I think he is getting a little bit more time. Um, in terms of this week, I do wonder about, uh, you know, possibly with Gerald Hawkins, if he's going to be that quick, you know, right back to the lineup because he's been gone for a few weeks. Plus, they do get the riders do have a bye next week. Mm -hmm. So you could work him in maybe a practice this week, you know, get him off and then get him going for that game against Edmonton on July 6th. Colin Kelly, I could see him get into the lineup this week as well. So I definitely could see something there. Um, It's. Not a bad situation. That it's a situation where they're adding guys to the offensive line. Hey, eh? it's not a situation where they're replacing an injury guy. So that's a good thing that they got some depth there right now. Yeah, and I can tell you one thing. I can tell you this for free. If you know, I'm just gonna say, if Cody Fajardo was still our quarterback this year, the number of sacks 
would be rocket high. The one thing that I've noticed Trevor Harris does really well, and I think probably better than mostly everyone in the league at this point, is his ability to climb up in the pocket and keeping those eyes locked down the field. And that's just something that we haven't seen around here in a couple of years. And that is a way to avoid sacks because we've seen it, you know, Fajardo always used to like to do that little spinner-rooney like Booker <laughs> T in the WWE back in the day. He always did that spinner-rooney. You know, you're, you're spinning right into the rush, man. So that's one thing Trevor Harris, uh, you notice, you know, when he's going through his progressions, it's, he's always sliding upwards in the pocket. Yeah. And, that, and that's... It, it, I, Ballsy said it in the broadcast, I think, and I'm totally with him when it comes to this. It reminds you of like a Philip Rivers. He he looks like Philip Rivers when he's climbing the pocket, and then you know eyes locked down the field. So that's like a, a I, I was gonna say a bad offensive line's best friend, but I, that's a little harsh. That's what uh, you got to do when your offensive line isn't as strong as what you would like it to be. Is you got to have a quarterback that's able to you know manipulate the pocket, move around get up in there you can't have a guy who doesn't know what he's doing back there so that's why uh not only for his arm talent and his arm strength and his football iq but just his ability to to do what we've seen especially this past week against winnipeg that's uh that alone is worth the price tag my friend and uh as i said to open up the show today glad it's not bo levi mitchell because bo (laughs) levi mitchell has uh hey I have the stats in front of me. Bo Levi Mitchell, check this out. All right, check this out. How much time do I got? I got one minute. Yep. So Bo Levi Mitchell, thirty three of fifty seven, three hundred and fifty eight yards, one touchdown, and four interceptions cool. as a tie cat. So uh, yeah, I couldn't believe my eyeballs yesterday when I was watching <laughs> that game, especially when they were going left to right, moving moving the ball in there, and he just I don't obviously it was uh. <sighs> Especially around the end zone today, like that, like those throws in the yeah, end zone. Yeah, it was were a miscommunication, bad. and he just lobbed it up there. And I was thinking to myself, like, I don't know, I don't know. It was unfortunate, uh, unfortunate that he got hurt, obviously. Yeah, but uh, you know, um, fingers crossed that he'll be back in the lineup because it's 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 good for the league when uh, Bo Levi Mitchell is on. I'm just not so sure that you know we will ever see that level of Bo Levi Mitchell ever again because. Uh, it was very limited sample size last year in the playoffs, and I feel like that little bit of game action that he got in the playoffs last year versus BC basically earned him this contract yep. that he has with the Hamilton Tiger Cats right now. If it wasn't for that game, I can guarantee you that he wouldn't be getting paid five hundred thousand dollars. But like, that's the thing. Like, you can come in and have a, a, a good little stretch, but. Uh, I just don't know what the Hamilton Tiger Cats are going to do going forward. Fingers crossed. Obviously, they are going to be uh, playing uh, Bo Levi when he's healthy. But uh, Matthew Schiltz looked pretty decent as well yeah. when he came in there. I kind of got confused. I thought that was Bo Levi still because he looks the same. He's wearing like a yeah. visor. He has a double-digit number. I was thinking to myself, what? I thought Bo Levi's not in the game. But it's uh, no. But uh, it was a fun week of Canadian football. And I uh, cannot wait for another uh, week coming up here. Nice uh, slew of games coming your way. And a big one mm-hmm. will kick off the week Thursday night. BC is in Winnipeg at IG Field. The Battle of the Unbeatens. Lions, Bombers. And then on Friday night, Friday Night Football, Cody Fajardo and his 
Yeah, Alouette de Montréal taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats at uh, Tim Hortons Field. And then the big one Saturday, Saskatchewan at Calgary. And then to wrap the week, what's with Toronto wrapping up the week all the time here? Another uh, Toronto uh, and Edmonton. Yeah. The two two of the teams have wrapped up the week again. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Toronto in Edmonton to uh, take on the Elks. And if you missed it earlier, uh, Ed Gainey today has been placed on the six-game injured list. So that's not ideal for uh, Chris Jones's Edmonton Elks. And Chris Jones also said today as well that Taylor, Cornel- uh, Taylor Cornelius is his guy. That's, uh, that's my cool guy. That's my guy, he said. I'm, I'm serious. That's what he said today. This is my guy. I don't want to hear about the quarterback because Cornelius is my boy. Uh, paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said in a nutshell. Hey, man, this has been fun. Can't wait to do it all again tomorrow. If you missed any of our show today, you can find it on demand wherever you find your podcast. We had a great guest list, Miami Marlins radio voice. Uh, Kyle Seelaff joined us. Bliss Littler, the general manager of the brand new WHL team, uh, the Wenatchee Wild. He joined us at 335, the Craig Dickinson show. We had Micah Alway a few minutes ago, the Silver Fox, Kelly Rempel, that and so much more. If you missed any of it, on demand, wherever you find your podcasts. And uh, head over to Curry Field. They're taking on the Swift Current 57s tonight. We'll talk.